You know, the irony, right? He's quoted as saying, someday you'll read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't believe a word of it. I'll just have changed my address, you know? And he said things like, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. But the guy lived to 99 years old. Like, if heaven is so great and that's what you're preaching, man, get there a little quicker. Right. Welcome to episode 82 of Pub Theology Live, a weekly conversation on life and faith over a craft brewed pint, a fine wine, or whatever happens to be in your glass. You can catch new episodes weekly as the Reverends Shannon Meacham, Ogan Holder, and yours truly, Brian Burkoff, and occasional guests address and engage what's happening through a theological lens, usually with a good brew in hand. Today's episode is brought to you by New Thought Channel, a proud sponsor of Pup Theology Live. Watch New Thought, spiritual but not religious, empowering and positive television anytime, anywhere. Catch original programs, talks, movies, and more online on your TV, on your phone or tablet or iPad. Visit NewThoughtChannel.com to learn more and subscribe. Change the channel, change your life. By the way, I've noticed we've taken out of the script that I am one of the featured speakers on the New Thought channel. I don't, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to take that personally, but thanks. it was never actually that in was... the script. It was just something that you added in. Oh, <laughs> it was never in the script. He's gone off script I'm... already. Well, I'm By on, the way, I'm... most of that script came from them, so it's not uh, us. Oh, their words. Double whammy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on there, by the way. Just saying, folks, you, know, you can watch my thoughts on there. All right, moving on. <laughs> Segway. We are also brought to you by Wink Wine Club, W-I-N-C, and it features superbly crafted wines delivered right to your door. You can get started at trywink.com, T-R-Y-W-I-N-C.com, slash PT Live for $20 off your first order and other savings. And I know what you're thinking. I don't want to get these wines shipped to my house, and then I don't like them, yada, yada, yada. So... Here's what you can do. You can try three free bottles on us. If you want to leave a voicemail at 980-PG-LIVE-0 or 980-785-4830. Shoot us an email, infopubtheology.com. Questions, comments, reviews, anything you, you want to tell us, you want us to talk about on the show, agree with us, disagree with us, we'll handle it all. Tell Brian how handsome he looks with that beard. Uh, you know, anything, you, you you shoot us an email, you'll be qualified for your monthly drawing to get three free bottles, just pay tax or shipping. Plus, Wink is really good about it. if you don't like the wine, you just send it back. And it doesn't cost you anything. And came home today with a FedEx notice on my door. I missed my Wink shipping, so my Wink delivery. So maybe tomorrow I'll, I'll, I'll have some Wink. If you wink and blink, you might miss it. Exactly. Okay. Nice, nicely played, sir. Nicely played. Nicely oh, played. Never mind. Golf, golf, <laughs> golf. Oh, boy. Well, you can also join our conversation on Twitter or Facebook using hashtag PT Live. And today we discuss, uh, what do we discuss? We didn't really chat pre-show, but I think we're going to discuss, discuss a bit of the life and legacy of Billy Graham and 
the things he brought to the world through his uh, large gatherings, aka Gospel Crusades. Um, so what good came of that and what potentially less good or even harmful things came as a result of his work and ministry. And uh, we'll see what else uh, comes about as we chat. Well, as you can tell, we have a guest in a live location today, and we have a guest back from the islands. Uh, so tell us what you're drinking, Shannon, and welcome back, Ogan. So I am drinking a Sam Adams cold brew, which I don't have the bottle. It's already poured in my glass for me by my nice. bartender, James. Um, so I am currently at the Renaissance Hotel Inner Harbor in Baltimore, where there is a PCUSA um, Next Church conference happening right now around you, me. So if you're a listener and you're here, well, I've, you know, you're probably going to, anyway, so you might see some people passing by, you might hear some ambient noise, and it's because, you know. I now, I, are, are you close enough to the bar where if you down that beer, you can just say, James? So yes, so I am in the bar. Here, here is the bar. Oh, nice! For those of you that are watching. Oh, there it is. I am right here. So, and he just walked by, so I can perfect get a second. But I do have to go into a workshop after this. So, all right, all right. Not that I'm against a two beer and a workshop, but you know, <laughs> I may only stick to one. As long as you're not hosting the workshop, you'll be here. I'm not hosting the workshop. Nor. Although that might be more fun. <laughs> it might be. I've, I can't say it, but I'm even more lively. Who knows? Um, and and for, for our podcast audio listeners only, in case you're fairly new and you didn't know, uh, we do have the video portion on YouTube. Check us out on YouTube. Watch the video portion. You get some nice pre-show and post-show banter and all the good stuff. And you get to see Shannon drinking in a bar. So, and uh, not only YouTube, but on the New Thought Channel now. Oh, that's right. We we, we should we got see we got to tweak we got to tweak that New Thought Channel <laughs> promo. We got to talk about how we our video streamed on there too. And yes. and yours truly. Come on. All right. Next week, tweaks and, will happen. And tweaks. If you haven't happen. noticed, Ogan Holder is on the New Thought Channel. He is. Face breaking news, everyone. Get out! Uh, that's unreal. I can't wait till this show is done so I can New go catch up on the Ogan Holder episode. Who's on that? Oh, you know who's on that? Ogan Holder. Who, who knew? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. I am Ogan Holder, and I am back from two glorious weeks in. <laughs> In the sunshine and warmth uh, of my home country, Barbados. Uh, and I am drinking Jack's Abbey Smoke and Dagger Black Lager. Mm. Ooh. I'm, I'm, I'm smoke and Dagger. Uh, that's Working cool. through my winter stock of beers here. Where is Jack's Abbey? Oh, that's a, a, a Massachusetts. That's a local, like a kind of local. Framingham. Yeah, that's a local brewery. Framing. Did not know. Framingham. Brian, what are you drinking there well, today? I'm still, uh, it's still Lent last I checked and I am on a beer fast. Uh, so I am drinking today uh, O'Donnell's Strawberry Cream. I'm kind of oh having a little dessert. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I'm all confused. I it feel is like a, this is backwards Lent or something. like. <laughs> it is a 15% uh, strawberry liqueur. So, you know, it does feel sort of anti-Lent to be drinking this, but there you go. So you, you gave up beer, but not alcohol. It's a fine line, my friend. I've, I've no, mostly given up alcohol as well, but I'm, not, you know, 
my plan was to give up beer and on the show I'll have I'll have a beverage. Is I'm like fifteen percent is not mostly. <laughs> is that a gateway liquor? Like yeah, is that really. a like I feel like that's something like sixteen year old girls drink, you know, at frat parties. You just nailed you just nailed it and nailed me. <laughs> <laughs> Brian is secretly a sixteen year old girl <laughs> that likes to sneak into frat parties and drink strawberry cream. Might not be the best oh. choice of words when we talk about sixteen year olds at frat parties. <laughs> I'm not saying I ever did it. No, 20, not you. I'm talking, about, I'm, talking about, I'm talking about Brian and his response. <laughs> Go back and play the tape. Or not. Or we could just keep going. Or not. I, know, I only heard that as this is a drink girls might like Which, to drink. Way, and I said, wrong that's right. With 16-year-old girls and their peach schnapps. There's nothing wrong with that. It's better than you know, whatever frat, well, let's just get to the drinking age, right? There's nothing wrong with 26-year-old girls and their peach not, which I hope by 26, you're still not drinking peach not, but whatever. Yeah. But it's better but than you, boys in their Jaeger. That's you know all. what this is like, though? This is like if you ever made uh, Nestle Quick strawberry milk, mm. which I love. <laughs> it's that. a, yeah, it's just like that with a little kick. See, I mean, we say that, but since, like, when did Bailey's become okay for adults to drink, but not strawberry cream? I mean, what's really yeah. the difference? Come on. It's a guilty pleasure. I'm I'll still not on your side. That, that, that <laughs> bottle, the bottle design for one. <laughs> I'm sorry, Speaking dude. of children drinking. <laughs> <laughs> hey kids, does this look yummy? <laughs> what was your worst moment on the playground as a child? <laughs> Wow, good segue, good segue. I mean, because Our, I have to admit, when you're underage and drinking, not that any of us condone that whatsoever, nope. but like playgrounds are sometimes the places you go and do that because I know I've at least done park cleanups where I'm picking up a lot of bottles. Like I know that for sure. But yeah, and let's just let's just say that well, being Barbados, my my daughter, um, you know, poor parenting choices on my behalf. My 70 year old daughter um, took advantage of the uh, very lax. Um, drinking age drinking requirements. Age. Yep. Uh, there, no one, no one was reinforcing them. She um, took at, full advantage of the establishments. But you know what? I think, I think you know that's good because the more we make something taboo, the more we in, encourage you know illicit indulgence. So that's right. You know that's right. That's why you don't make the strawberry cream taboo. You just go for it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to salvage, but it's not working. You know, not so much. I mean, you knew when you chose it. You knew this would happen. Yeah, I, I knew what I was walking into, and it's delish. So I'm just going mean, to take the. I'm going to take the heat and enjoy my strawberry. There you go. All right. So, uh, do you have though uh, a worst moment on the playground, or at least something that stands out as, man, that just sucked, and I'm glad I don't have to relive that. I'm glad you raised that because while I was in Barbados, I uh, on the way to the beach one day, not Boston, um, I I drove past the Montessori school that I attended um, until I was eight years old. Um, it pretty much looked exactly the same, and I do remember one day on the swings we were having a let's see who can swing the highest competition. Well, yeah, and we also used to do these like dismount competition so mm-hmm. it's like you know you swing you know somersault off or do some twists in the air and for some reason i decided on the day of the swing highest competition to end with a fancy dismount and like face planted <laughs> in oh, the dirt oh. and 
I may, I, I, I may have been concussed, you know, back then, if you were still breathing, you were fine. Right. Yeah. But I remember landing and then I remember sitting in the classroom and not much between those two. Right. Who knows? But everybody was laughing, not the teacher, but all the other kids, they were laughing their butts off. Yeah. So I was trying to think of a specific moment. And I, I mean, I remember like very few things, but I can't put together the whole story of what was happening. And so for me, it was much more of an ongoing um, like fear of, so I wasn't so great at, you know, the sports ball things. And so, yeah. <laughs> but we played a lot of kickball. There was a lot of kickball happening. And um, I was terrified of this happening. And guess what? It totally happened one day where I went to go kick the kickball and I not only missed the kickball, but the gravitational force of kicking and whatnot makes you fall backwards. Yes. And wipe out. That is not a fun moment as a, you know, like <laughs> nine year old child. No. It is not a like moment in life that you want to remember. And yet as soon as you way to bring it up, Brian, like painful memories. I'm storming back of my the moment my greatest fear happened in the on the But playground. you know what? Fortunately, <laughs> because we are children of the seventies, no one had smartphones to record or shame. Well, exactly. It. So it's the end of an era. This yeah. was the eighties for me. I'm significantly younger than you, I think. Oh ouch. Wow. <laughs> I, no, I don't think I'm actually that much younger than you. But <laughs> I ain't gonna argue with you. You want you want to be younger, you be younger. <laughs> so Brian, what about you? Do you have a big moment? Yeah, I, I'm trying to think of one. Um, I should have had one in hand, seeing as I wrote the question. But um, <laughs> I'm glad you said it because I was just about to bring that up. But you know. <laughs> I mean, I know I had embarrassing moments. I'm glad that you don't. I'm glad that you don't you prepare the questions, but you don't like you know think too much in advance. But your answers, I think it 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 adds to the continual spontaneity type stream of the show. There you go. I I can't speak for Shannon, but you know me doing prep for the show. Well, you know how that goes. Yeah. Indeed. There isn't prep. Or, the show. or it doesn't go exactly. Friends, we're pulling down the curtain. You can see Oz behind it. There is no prep for this show. It's there is no prep. To which I know all of you have a shocked face on right now. Exactly. <laughs> we never claim this is anything, but what you see is what hey, you get. Hey, it's, it's live. And so, you know, I think I must have like blocked most of the painful memories because uh, I know they're they happened and were there, and I, you know. I was, who, I was a kid who I was a kid who I got beat up a little bit, probably, and I know I also teased and, and did some of the beating up. So you know, there was a it, lot of teasing happening on playgrounds as kids, right? There was like, a lot of teasing. There's like that was the opportunity, like in class, somebody is watching. Because I actually, as I thought about this question, I was like, I could tell you plenty of stories about other kids, right? Like yeah. The kids getting on the merry-go-round thing, and the the one bully kid that kept. Like I never got on it because like somebody would spin it too fast and somebody would throw up and like there's all kinds of like I'm there are people out there with tons of embarrassing stories and I feel like I just block mine out but I remember theirs. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that I have some terrible memories like that. And I just remember like calling names like relentlessly like I cringe like what were you doing or like the whole not picking people to play on the team and just leaving them out of whatever you're doing. I mean, it's just a cruel place. 
So, and, but in many ways, it's almost like a rite of passage, though. It's, it's but developing a thick skin, but, you know, it can, it can cross the line into, you know, bullying yeah. and, and unhealthy behavior. But I think, I think it's, it's a natural, uh, a little ribbon, a little teasing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what we do So hypothetical, uh, we're not going to spend a ton of time on this, but just hypothetical. If your child hits another child with a stick, do you A, give everyone a stick, B, give certain kids sticks who are trained to use them so that they can defend everyone else, or do you see take away the stick? I see what you're doing here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I see what you're doing <laughs> Or D, do you arm the teachers with sticks? <laughs> right. So, th- I mean, this is obviously going around, right? This is the yeah. Facebook meme of the of the moment um, right. and has been this analogy has been used before it's not new I, it's not new like this and you know so it's and it's there to say of course you take away the stick and because they're children and you know but we even go so far to say why even have a stick in the first place or why do you even you know um, well as long as there are trees are going to be sticks I well mean, exactly you know, but we're, we're gonna have Sticks. My thing I mean, is, trees are God given. You know, sticks were given by God. You know, we have a right to have sticks. The trees like heaven, like like manna from heaven. So as long as we got sticks, trees, they're gonna be sticks. If my child hits another child with a stick, you know, my my response is a. What did that child do that you think to you that you think he deserved to be hit? And did you hit him hard enough that he couldn't get back up and come after you? So I mean, if you're gonna go in, oh wow. Going all the way. I'm oh, talking wow. about sticks here, just sticks. Yeah, <laughs> you, you sticking with the analogy. Um, there, there you go. But oh no, 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 no. But like, okay, but yes, we're talking about sticks and not guns, right? You're talking about sticks, but people beat each other with switches, like, and that is a stick. That is a small stick that yeah. lashes like a, you know, a. a rope or a piece of leather or you know whatever have you been watching the handmaid's tale well one i have watched the handmaid's tale i've also read the book of the handmaid's tale but i also like grew up in the south and grew up with corporal punishment and this is real like it's that's a real thing and so even this analogy um for people i won't even say those of us i don't fully include myself in that category but for people that i know who were punished with small sticks right as child like this meme is even hard like this isn't a you know and and in those cases they weren't the kids with the sticks they were parents or grandparents with the sticks or you know those kind of things and it's it's a really um i mean ogan the point of like what do you think they did to deserve being hit like nothing they don't like nobody they don't deserve to be hit right like whatever squabble squabble right. is happening on a playground it is not bad enough to be to hit somebody yeah i i don't know i just i when i was growing up at school i was hit with uh rulers mm-hmm. um, bamboo rods and leather belts and i was one of the good kids wow so that just kind of tells you that corporal punishment was like the main alive and well <laughs> way of control. Yeah. Um, and, we had paddles in school. Like oh. teachers had paddles. Wow. No, see, but paddles, paddles aren't. Paddles are, are thick and like 
cover a large surface of area. Yeah, yeah, right. you can get the backside pretty good with the paddle. Right. No, but but the problem with paddles is they they spread the pain over a wide area. You want to stay. Right. You got to get something narrow that will concentrate <laughs> and leave a welt. <laughs> right. That's yeah. a good beating right there. Um, but but no, but but you know I I I, I defer to you know the saying that's been attributed to Gandhi. You know, an eye for an eye, the whole world goes blind. I you know. Violence is a response to violence, or just trying to solve a problem with the violence, never ends well for anyone. And um, it was it was so interesting, um, you know, in this in this debate, um, some somebody from uh, let's just say the the right side of the fence was talking about how we're we you know we're no longer in like you know the times of Andy Mayberry and it's all you know we're at a different time now. I think I was watching this on maybe the daily show, but one of those late nights. Oh, Stephen Colbert. And he pulled up a clip of Andy Mayberry saying he doesn't carry a gun. He says, the reason I don't carry a gun is because if I do, people are going to fear the gun. I'd rather people respect me. So I don't walk around with a gun. Yeah. And I was like, that's perfect right there. Yes, I mean, like absolutely. that's, you know, when we're grounded in fear, go to extreme measures to protect our fears, to, you know, protect ourselves, to, 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 to uh, fix a problem before there's even one. Yeah. But you know, when we, when we have to put ourselves in a position where we have to earn the respect of someone else, well, that's a lot harder and that requires more of us to step up into the better part of ourselves. And it's also the case that when you introduce more guns into any given situation, I think you escalate, you escalate, the chances that trouble is going to happen, you know? So if police are coming into a situation where there's a shooter and all of a sudden, you know, teachers or others also start pulling out guns, those police just arriving, they don't know who's who and they start seeing guns. You're just as apt to shoot somebody who's trying to be the good guy with the gun as you are the perpetrator. So not even that. So I have a few people in my congregation that um, are insurance something, something, something. Okay. So what they do, they're like math people. <laughs> yeah. Is, welcome to Shannon Tries Explain Math. <laughs> this, is, this is, should be a show of its own. So they're math people. And what the math people say, what they're, so they work for Travelers Insurance, which is right around the corner from our church. And their job is to do the statistics of um, my life and what risk that I am in terms. So, so that determines what my homeowner's insurance rate is, what my car insurance rate is, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And, and part of that factor is gun owning. And because they're, what they're saying is people can talk all day long about you own a gun for someone breaking in or for whatever for self-defense for self-defense right the statistical reality is that that our insurance is so is has gone up and other people's like specifically people with gun owners um insurance goes up because you are far and i mean like far more likely to shoot yourself a neighbor or a family member than you are likely to even get a, an intruder or for self, need that gun for self-defense. So it's really interesting for them. I mean, these are people's lives and, you know, whatever, but just hearing them talk of just from a mass statistical reality. Yeah. Don't, what they're don't, 
don't muddy this conversation with statistics, facts, and logic. That they have <laughs> that no place here. Ridiculous. So again, it's just one of those. So here's yeah. here's the real thing, right? This was not about a stick. This is our house. The so it was the two boys. Um, so they're seven and eight. We're sitting at lunch after church a couple Sundays ago, um, right after the Parkland shooting. And the younger son, Gus, he uses he's playing around and he uses finger guns, right? And he's like shooting his brother. And like I just was like, Whoa, buddy, what is going on? Stop that. And he's like, What? It's just my finger. And and I like we really hadn't talked about the shooting at all and anything. And and so I said, you know, it just I'm a little sensitive right now and here's why, what's going on. And I said, you know, mommy really doesn't care if it's your finger or a stick or a Nerf gun. And we don't really have toy guns in our house. We, we have like Nerf bow and arrow things or whatever. Yeah. We said, you know, the rule is even it's your fingers. If you're pretending like it's a gun, you never, ever, ever point it at another person. And I grew up, so I grew up in a house with guns. My father had guns. And at my son's age, I had held a gun. I'd never shot it at that point, but I'd held a rifle. And that was the first thing he said to me before he handed it to me was, I, I want you to know you never, ever, ever point this at another person, ever. Yeah. And we don't own guns. There are no guns in our house, none whatsoever. There will hopefully never, ever in our life will be. But even with finger guns, that was the first lesson I gave to them. And then, <laughs> and then the conversation went on a little bit farther and whatever. And Thomas, the eight-year-old goes, well, that was really unfun conversation. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> I, I, I think it's, I think it's just like, give them some lightsabers, something. Well, see, you know, know. you can point a sword at somebody else, I guess. It's not going to do anything. It's not going to accidentally go off. Right. <laughs> exactly. You got, you got to get in close. And it just, it, it was just more of, I guess my bigger fear is that they do go to a neighbor's house and they find a gun and they're, they pick it up. Right. And just out of pretend yeah, that, right. that if they have in their head, never, ever, not even out of pretend, right. do you point a gun at somebody else? Then at least that will be in their mind. Right. That, that that's the number one rule. Um, so I don't know. Maybe that's, well, helpful. you know, don't and point a stick when, at another person. when joy was a lot younger, you know, we and she went over for play dates with other kids. I mean, we didn't ask the parents if they had a gun in the house. We we didn't ask that. But if we found out by some roundabout means that they did, then we didn't let her go back. So we do ask. Um, and we then, if they say yes, so our next door neighbor, which our children do play at their house, and we are friends with, they do have guns in their house. He need, He has a gun for his work. Um, he also is a gun person, so he has other guns. And we have seen the locked case. He shows us what his daily routine is. Like, I come home, I do this. And they are so particular about locking up their guns. Good. Um, that yeah. that I, it makes me comfortable enough, right? That they would never, ever even remotely leave that unlocked. Like, they are so diligent about it. Right. Um, but you have, to, you have to really, we do ask. And we know them very well, or I might not. I'll be honest, I might not let my kid come play. You know, ours were literally in the back of a, in the front hall closet. There were shotguns in the front hall closet. Right. <laughs> Probably loaded. I have no idea. I never touched them. But like, <laughs> like I went to get out my winter coat and there they were. 
And, you know, it's interesting. That's, that's, that's the argument a lot of people make. Guns were always around. You know, we heard the argument of, you know, kids were driving to school with guns in the back of their trucks and we didn't have this problem. And to that I say, yeah, we do live in a different time where we're a lot more desensitized to violence. We do live in a time where, where it, it is easier to get your hands on a gun. We do live in a time where I don't, um, you know, God loves social media, but, but I think it, the, the hyper-connectivity and, and all that has, has kind of, I think, lessened the impact people may have in, in relation to, to gun violence. So yeah, we do live in a different time. So therefore, we live in a different time. You know, it, it, there has to be an adaptation on 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 all sides, all arenas. Right. You know, yeah. If if people are different, perhaps access to guns should be a little bit different as well. Um, so you know, it it I, I I'm really encouraged and heartened by you know the the the, the movement the the high schoolers from Parkland are making. Um, it, it is a bit of a sea change with companies pulling themselves away from the NRA and, and severing those uh, ties. Um, but, but ultimately the only way we're going to get, I think any substantial change is, is if more gun owners, more responsible gun owners, like the one, you know, your neighbors you just mentioned really get on the NRA's back and get on the congressman's back to say, listen, you know, we, we support, we love the Second Amendment, we love our rights to own guns, and we also think that this has really gotten out of hand. Um, right. So I think the gun owners and gun lovers, you know, who, who have kids, who I mean, this is in Florida, so I can guarantee you that, uh, you know, some of those kids who passed away, their parents, you know, they, Absolutely. you know, statistics are, chances are, they were gun owners themselves. Right. So, so for them to get on board, because... Because, you know, those of us who are not supporters of Second Amendment, who are not gun owners, who are not gun lovers, all the noise we're going to make is not going to make a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's going to just entrench the other side further. So, so to find that middle ground, that common place where to say, I don't believe, you know, stricter uh, universal background checks or banning bump stocks or high, you know, high capacity magazines is infringing on my Second Amendment right to own a gun. Right. You know, which somebody needs to explain to me how it is. I really don't get that. But, you know, yeah. we may have to have our libertarian friend back and that's right. walk us through that. Right. But, uh, right. but, yeah. So I'm going to shift us to uh, our other topic. Uh, over the last week, uh, Billy Graham died, and he was perhaps uh, the most prominent uh, Christian preacher uh, of the last century. Uh, preached probably to more people than any other human uh, in history, I think. Um, so had a, had a big impact on Christianity, particularly evangelical Christianity in, in North America, but also globally. Um, how did you feel when you heard he died? And, and what is your sort of uh, sense of his life? And did he have an impact on you? Or, you know, maybe some more, some more of the broader fallout. Um, didn't didn't do much for me because yeah. I mean I I he, he he was not like a central figure in my spiritual story, mm-hmm. my religious story growing up. I mean, by the time I was a kid, he was already old. Right. Uh, so <laughs> there was, That's true. There was there was that. 
I mean, my grandmother was a big fan a couple of times and, you know, filled the stadiums, but again, um, not, not during my time, but the more I've read about him um, and his, and his message and his ministry, the, the more, you know, there's been like disillusionment about him and what he stood for. Um, and, and to remember that, that in spite of his worldwide fame, his connection to the presidents and all that kind of stuff, um, you know, he still preached a message that was ultimately non-inclusive right. um, for, for many people, for, for many types of people. Um, and, you know, I, it, it, so, so I, don't, I, don't, I don't really feel that deeply sorrowed or, or in that regards, like we've lost some great, you know, spiritual light. So I don't know. So I try to think about this because, again, I mean, I don't. Unfortunately for me, not only did um, did I not see, did I, I didn't grow up with him, right? But I also, from, I feel like he'll always be tainted by his son, which no matter what issues there were with Billy Graham, Franklin is a thousand times like over the edge, right? He's off the charts crazy in my opinion, you know, and, and just. Yeah, I, whatever bad traits the father had, the son amplified this, it a, a thousandfold. thousandfold. Right, yes. exactly, that's exact. So unfortunately for me, his legacy is always tainted, is always going to be tainted with Franklin. But wait, and, hang on, can you, can, you really, can you really punish the father for that though? I, no, but, but their legacies are intertwined in my mind, at least, right? So I'm not necessarily... When my, when my daughter goes and becomes an adult and really does some crazy stuff, I'm going to be like, I don't know who she is. I'm going to distance myself. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Here's the thing with this situation. Agreed that at some level, you know, you do what you do as a parent and, and then your child becomes their own person. But he also, uh, and someone noted this at our gathering last night, he also chose to hand over the keys to his yes. own ministry and what he had built to his son. He has to own that. Right. That's the part that's different, right? Gotcha. If Joy goes out and gets in trouble or if my kids go out and whatever, right? Like at some point that's their responsibility. If what I give I'm, her the keys to my car and she commits vehicular homicide, that's, that's, that's on me too. Is it? Well, it's not quite the same. It's not quite the same. Yeah, Let's like, see. Let's say your church grows to, you know, to, to cover like six campuses and uh -huh. you're the central figure. And then you hand it over to her knowing she has all these flaws and is going to sink the ship. And you do that really? anyway. Yeah. And, and okay. I was going to say, that's the, the thing for me is that by the time, like the keys were handed to Franklin, we already knew who he was. Yes. Right. Gotcha. Like he was already off okay. the ledge. And, and I think. I don't know. And I don't know what the dynamic was there. And I'll admit, like, I haven't read anybody's books or memoir. What I, what I have kind of thought about, um, and again, I find even, um, you know, we talk about that on some levels, he reached some groups in the civil rights movement that, that Martin Luther King Jr. wouldn't have ever been able to reach and things like that. And, and there's, Val I, I don't know enough to say how valid that is. Yeah. Um, I've I've read enough to kind of see where there's some separateness of that, but hindsight's twenty twenty, right? 
what I can say, I guess, is that when you look at his rise, that where we were as a church was really questionable and floundering and were we, did we really know who we were? And whether or not he was the answer, he was trying to answer that question. And, and I do think he, he's responsible for where we are in the evangelical movement today, but that doesn't mean that was his intention to get us there. Um, and again, I can't say what he was really thinking there at the end. If he oftentimes with figures like him, um, after they retire, if you will, sometimes there's a big change of heart um, that becomes a more inclusive type of person. I don't, I don't know that that ever happened, um, or we especially didn't hear about it with Franklin's comments about the the Billy Graham Foundation or whatever the Crusade movement and all of that's called. I, I I don't know. I don't feel like I'm an expert to talk about it, but I was trying to find a way that at the time there's the scene in um, Netflix did a has a series called The Crown, which is a I oh, love The Crown. Yeah, oh. so good, right? And and in the second season, there's she she invites Billy Graham That's right yeah. to come to the to the um, Buckingham does, Palace. Yeah, he can't he can't come to the and preach in the big cathedral. So he preaches in one of their small chapel right. places because he's not Church of England and and I think what they did in that scene was to be able to say this is a new way, a more inclusive way of preaching. Um, he actually speaks to real life values or or conversations. Um, whether you not agree with exactly what those conversations are or how they should be, I think that that he really started that style that probably all three of us live into in our preaching today, right? That it's yes. more real life kind of conversation. Yeah, I, we had a friend um, at our pub theology gathering last night, and she had lived in Georgia for a while, and she she recalls going to uh, one of his big crusades and she said he just exactly as you said had this very approachable conversational style he wasn't a wasn't a yeller or didn't get riled up he just would kind of talk to you and he talked to you in a way that you felt like was so warm and inviting and and she said like at the end like the crowds were just rushing forward to you know be saved or whatever and it wasn't even like he made this dramatic thing it's just he was so inviting like you wanted to be yeah, you wanted whatever he seemed to be talking about. Right. And I think, I mean, I think that was a big shift in preaching and in, in the way we did um, church, com- and the way we did worship. And I, I think whether or not, again, whether or not we were influenced by him, the church as a whole was influenced by him. That's right. And we now preach in a more conversational way. Um, I mean, still academic, still true to our tradition in some way or not. I'm, I'm not overly academic in my preaching, but you know, yep. that, that was more like, oh, we can talk about gospel and real life. They don't have to be two separate things. Um, so I, I think that's one of his big contributions, regardless of everything else, as a preacher, at least. Yeah, and he, he had this, you know, he had this incredible access to power at a pretty young age, and he became this sort of public face of a certain style of Christianity, you know, for a, such a long time. And he had a seat with presidents and, you know, 
um, before Congress, and it was a lot of power. And I think he did lay this sort of groundwork for the the rise of the the religious right, the rise of a certain brand of evangelical Christianity to be sort of connected to family values, um, anti-abortion, you know, you name the, the big issues. And, you know, while it may have started more innocently with him, it he's laid the groundwork for the president we have today and the support of Christians putting up with what we have in our society today that seems so far from Christ. So that's not all on him, but he's certainly helped pave that path, didn't he? And that's where Ogan's giving the keys to joy analogy may may come in a little bit better, right? Not so much in the transfer to Franklin, but in the 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 current day evangelical movement. Like whether or not that was the intention, that was what happened. Yeah. Right. And that's that's and so it's not on him as in it's his fault, but it is a consequence of his ministry and his style and, and things like that. Um, and some people see that as a very positive thing and others like us say, wow, that's really far. That's really far. And, and, and to, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be harsher on him a little bit later, but, but to follow that, follow that analogy. Um, yeah. I, we, we can't blame him in totality, like you're saying for what we took with what, he, he birthed and what he started. Um, my my one of the things that I have little patience or tolerance with is, you know, he he had an international worldwide ministry. I mean, he he traveled to all countries, preached crusades, and I kind of really sometimes take issue with people who go to other places to say to people, "You're how you." define your relationship with God right it needs to be this way yeah um, and and I, I got issues with that yeah and and the newer movement of I can't speak for other denominations but there's a newer movement in the evangelical world to partner with and be in relationship with rather than right there's all these stories out there of, of shoebox operation shoebox or shoebox child or What's it? Whatever. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Through Samaritan's Purse, which is Franklin yeah. Graham's exactly, yep. and and that it's all these articles of like, I was there when they were distributed, and these kids, you know, in Africa, opened these boxes, and they were like, "What the hell is this stuff? We don't." Yeah. Need this stuff. WTF? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Fill me. In. I don't know what y'all talking about. What, so what was in the box? Operation Child. I don't know what it is, but it's so you get it's a, like a Christmas thing, and all these churches do it, and you fill a shoebox full of Christmas presents for these needy children across the world. Okay. Which, again, like right on whatever you know, and and it's and they ship them off to wherever. And these kids get the shoebox full of little, you know, McDonald's toys or whatever, you know, like whatever kind of dollar bin crap we buy at Target. And right. it's like, well, these are places in the world with real need, right? Gotcha. And it's like, yes. we're spreading the meaning of Christmas across the globe. Yeah. And I'm like, Instead, we're, we're spreading leftovers from Chinese capitalistic <laughs> junk. 
Exactly. Gotcha. And and so now there's a there's starting to be more of an understanding of like, oh, if we want to go in and build a school, maybe we need to partner with the people in the community to build a school so that we can train teachers and sustain this and blah 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 blah. And they, you know, some of it is like we've just discovered this way of mission, and we're like we. <laughs> We Presbyterians have been doing that for about 130 years. You know, like this is not a new concept, but it feels new because it's not, it's not exactly, it's not that crusade come in and, and change the heathen to understand God the way that I do. Right. Um, it's a shift in thinking in that. Um, yeah. And you know, better late to the party than never, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I'm not against missionary work that removes the conversion emphasis. Like, right. I'm right, but I think that wasn't that what he was about, right? That's what he was about, right? His, his gospel was a, Jesus died for you, uh, accept him as your Lord and Savior, and you're going to go to heaven. I mean, that's it. Yeah. yeah. I do feel like he, he also, you know, at least in my denomination, we've had this conversation before, like we're very skeptical of, of religious celebrity, that yeah. that can be really dangerous. Um and yet, I mean, we do it. It's a natural kind of thing that, like, you you have. Hey, we 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 have a podcast. We are religious. We are religious. <laughs> <laughs> ah, you know, like the wow. book writers and the great preachers. You know, sure. Otis Moss the Third is is religious celebrity for me. Right? He's yeah, he's good. Um, Chicago pastor, and there's a legacy passing of the keys. Right? If you know anything about the Moss family, sure. Know? And that's what I'm fine with. <laughs> yeah. Like keep passing those keys because you're doing well so far. But but the reality is, is that um, I really shy away from you gave this, we as the Christian community, which I do have to include myself in, gave this man that much power, one man that much power, a, mm. a, a moral, mortal, you know, imperfect human being who we lifted up as a living saint. And we just can't, we can't, we need to be really careful anytime that happens. You know Even the are really charismatic. So I, I should think, cancel. I should I should cancel those like uh, six footprints of 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 my image of you. So that, oh, so by the way, check out Ogan Holder on the New Thought Channel. <laughs> wow. I mean, if we're talk, going to talk failings, I think one of the biggest <laughs> failings of Billy Graham was that he was never on the New Thought Channel. I mean, seriously, you know, watch him well, like cover something. So that the rest of us have a chance, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the irony, right? He's quoted as saying, you know, um, someday you'll read or hear that Billy Graham is dead. Don't believe a word of it. I'll just have changed my address, you know? And he said things like, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. But the guy lived to 99 years old. Like, if heaven He's is really so great good. and that's what you're preaching... Man, get there a little quicker. Right. Yeah, I mean, it really was a mentality of like, life sucks. I can't wait to get to heaven. And it's like, wow, that's kind of dangerous theology there. Well, and exactly in the context Ogan uh, shared, like especially if you're in developing countries or oppressed communities and you start preaching that, yeah, life sucks now, but God has your back when you die. When you die, yeah. That's, I don't like it. And, And I'm not against, of course, you know, I'm a minister. Um, I'm I am all I'm all for having a, a spiritual, you know, a, a spiritual path. I mean, that's yeah. 
for me, that that is one of the integral pieces to a fulfilling life, healthy emotions, you know, healthy body, healthy relationships, health, healthy spirituality, you know, it's, it's an integral, it's an integral piece, but you know, that's, that's, and, and, and I think this is where, you know, back in the day I began to lose faith or, or spurt a crisis of faith with the, with the Christian message. Like who, who are we to tell anyone that, you know, this, this way is drawn. I remember hearing uh, a story, Eskimos, but maybe some, some missionary was in some, you know, country and 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 preaching and the guy said to him well what would have happened to my soul if i hadn't heard this message of jesus because i'm like all here either in you know the arctic or in the jungle or something and the guy said well if you hadn't heard the message you wouldn't be held accountable you'd be in heaven and he's like right. well so now that i've heard it if i don't want to change what's happening because well you're going to hell i said why would you come tell me why'd that? you come here then <laughs> like, leave me alone did you think this anyway. Did you think this through before you left home? Right. You know, <laughs> ignorance was bliss. Why did you come tell me? <laughs> so, yeah. you know, that's, that's kind of my, like, overall, I guess, philosophy is, like, you know, people, people will find what gravitates, uh, uh, what, they, what, what, what speaks to their soul. And, and I think we get to let people make that choice um, where, wherever it is, you know, with the caveat that it's not harming other people. <laughs> along the way and it's allowing you to be the best uh, individual self that you can and and again back to that where i had the you know not necessarily issues but why was like totally on the billy graham a bandwagon even when i heard about him and you know i heard he passed and i was like yeah i know who he is he's dead now okay and i moved on yeah and and i think that again getting back to that celebrity danger right you stop if if you decide that this one person not just speaks to your soul right like oh that's that like i love paul tillich as a theologian he speaks to my soul that doesn't mean i stop thinking critically about what he wrote right yeah and so when we push this person like we did with billy graham to this whatever comes out of your mouth is right and good and perfect that's when we get in real danger as a community. And that's why I think the, you know, not just um, the evangelical church where it went, but it was like they hung on every word of his and it was good and right and perfect. And then when the keys got handed to Franklin, oh, well, he's Billy Graham's son, then every word of his is good and right and perfect. And like, that is a very dangerous cycle. And we have stopped thinking critically about do i believe what he's saying is that okay does that sing to my soul when i pray to god is that what god is also telling me or do i just like that because he's the stamped approval person that we that that has risen to the status or the even more dangerous thing well he got there somehow so it must be true it must be right right and you just skip all even the critical (laughs) you skip every (laughs) critical step at that point you know for sure. Um, which, which I meant. So, what do you guys think of him being laid out in the rotunda, the Capitol rotunda? I got like, issues with that too. That feels super icky to me. Yeah. Like, I'll just throw that out too. Like, not only did I mean, do listen. He was beloved by millions of people, and that's that's what it is. Regardless of, you know, it's just what it is. 
but that move to me very much felt disrespectful. Well, let's 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 not kid ourselves. You know, the, the Christianity is the official non-official religion of this country, um, and and he was in, in terms of you know how high you can get on that rung. He was the spokesman for Christianity in you know in the peak of his time and even later years as he's you know hobnobbing with with the presidents and all presidents up to you know Barack Obama. So it's 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 putting putting him there is basically saying we are sanctioning Christianity and its frontman here in in our nation's capital and so this idea that there's no real quote-unquote official religion is you know from a legal perspective there isn't but you know unofficially yeah that's 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 what it is i i truly look forward to the day and, and you know bernie might have been the closest but i truly look forward to today day when we have a presidential candidate who does not claim christianity as his spiritual path and he wins an election like for me that's that would be so huge i don't know what yeah i yeah i certainly don't think it should be a requirement in any way shape or form right yeah, we we know we've we know we've transformed this country. What is the saying when we elected when we elected atheist black gay woman? Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> when that happens, right? we're good. All the unelectable current unelectable categories. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're we're good. We're done. Yeah. I I I wanted to tell you guys this, and I don't know why this feels like the moment, but <laughs> yesterday I was so yesterday was the first day of this conference, and um. Uh, so I was talking to somebody and she's kind of going through something kind of very, not the same at all, but very similar, like, um, that we went through a couple years ago in my relationship and my family. And, and I was saying, no, it's going to be okay. And yeah, you work it out and it'll be all right. And she's like, oh, this is just so what I needed to hear today. And, and I said, oh, it's, it's, she's like, I just, I feel the spirit. And I said, yeah, her name is destiny. And so we, (laughs) (laughs) we, we decided that um, the Holy Spirit's name is Destiny with a Y because with its if an I, that's just too trashy. And the Holy Spirit's a classy lady. And her name is Destiny and the church is Destiny's child. So oh, there you go. Nicely played. You saved it. You saved and, it. And there's something you would never get from Billy Graham. So you're welcome, world. Boom. <laughs> Again, I want to go. I, I wasn't around then, but I do go back to a time you know, he's called America's preacher. Like that's what I've seen over and over and over again is Billy Graham's America's preacher. And it, it really made a conversation of like, well, who is America's preacher? You know, is it really Billy Graham? Like, was it Martin Luther King? Um, somebody right. wrote like, well, if Billy Graham's America's preacher, then Fred Rogers is America's pastor. And like, it was like, oh, Fred Rogers, I love you so much. <laughs> but, um, you know, good or bad right um we don't have america doesn't have a preacher anymore necessarily and maybe that's really really good for the terms of we're not a christian nation quote unquote maybe it's bad that we've lost a vision we've lost a common vision did we ever have a common vision was he ever really america's preacher i mean come on no he was was well he had the label for sure he was white evangelical america's preacher but that's about it yeah no, and, and that's the problem with labels like that, right? right. That's, that's a big issue. But it, it begs the question, and does America have a preacher? 
and or should America have a preacher? And that's an interesting conversation. Yeah, I would lean toward no, because as soon as you centralize a voice or raise up a particular voice to too high of a platform, when that voice fails you or says some compromising things, awkward or or really bad. And again, going back to the celebrity, if you do gut check that, you may lose all faith in everything. Yeah. And, and that spiral is hard too, you know, yeah. and I think. But, but, but should you want an American preacher, you have three fine candidates here on this podcast. <laughs> nominate ourselves. But only one of them you can find on the New Thought Channel. Wow. All. Well, hey. there was some talk of the Trinity a moment ago. I'm just going to say. Does that make me Beyonce? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think in that scenario, I really am Beyonce. Okay. <laughs> Wow. I'll give it to only you. because my natural curly hair can become straight at any moment. I, I, I and that's the that. only reason. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Now, is it fair to say, this is the last thing I'll ask, is it fair to say, because I'm really now thinking about it, can't believe I hadn't thought about this before though, but is, is there, when it comes to, you know, the gun support, Second Amendment support, the white evangelical Christian tie into that? Like where, or, or, or am I making too leap? big elite here where's the research was anyone knows the research on this when we look at you know religions and spiritual movements where you know the people the congregants parishioners are in support of gun ownership and and relaxing the laws even more rather than strengthening them is their straight correlation to Evan- white evangelical Christianity isn't there? Is it across the board? Is, is the religion piece a non-factor? I'm, I'm wondering about that. I'm going to have to go look that up. So there is research out there on that. I can try to find it and put it on our... I haven't seen it in a while. Um, mm-hmm. It Because it's done by like Pew Research things. Right. Like that, but um, it, it... So some of it is where they live, right? White evangelicals are more Southern and Midwestern. Right. You know, in their area. And so those are high gun ownership times anyway, yep. places anyway, right? Sure. And so those are linked together in that way. But there, I, I think a lot of it. Um, and high comes, races and high past. High, and right, exactly. Slavery. But they're high on all of these things. And, and yet. <laughs> Here's the good news you scored really high. The bad right. news is you don't want to score bad high. The bad news is these are the wrong things. Higher high. is not better in this game. <laughs> Um, but it's the God and country thing, right? It's right. the idolization that God and country are linked fully together. Now, did Billy Graham contribute to that? Do we know? Bring it full circle. Ooh, how much money did the NRA contribute to Billy Graham? Oh, there you go. There's a good <laughs> or question. vice versa. Right. But no, but ser- seriously, given his connection to the presidents, yeah. you know, was, mm. was he either... Well, was uh, he just advising or was there lobbying, right? Like, where, where was that right. line... Um, and was that a line that was drawn when it started? You know, I feel like this should be a movie with Tim Robbins as, <laughs> as. I feel we should have talked the about preacher. This. I feel we should have talked about this forty-five minutes ago in the main. <laughs> I mean, I I, I yeah, think we awesome. all need to know more about what's going on in the white evangelical movement. Um, I told yeah. Derek the other day. I said I'm going to be really, really honest um, because okay, there was this really funny meme that came up, and I'm sorry, I'm a Facebook junkie, and I love memes, but like. Um, people are getting out of workshops, so it may get louder. So I apologize about that. Um, 
so there's this meme that was like, dear flat earthers, right? Flat earthers are the people that don't believe the world is round. They believe yeah. it is flat. Dear flat earthers, don't you know that if the world was flat, every cat on earth would have pushed all the objects off of it by now? <laughs> True. <laughs> and I was telling him this because it's hilarious in my opinion. And right. I was saying like, you know, in my mind, I think um, the flat earthers and the guys like the white supremacist guys that were in Charlottesville and you know like all and 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 all the white evangelicals that like God and country and the anti-kneeling Kaepernick people like they're all one group of people (laughs) and I said I know that's not true but in my head it's like it's all a special kind of crazy kind of thing and like they just they, get lumped into one big group to me. They may not be one group, but those circles sure it, overlap a lot. It feels like they just <laughs> overlap lot. enough that I'm justified in thinking that. That's right. all I'm yep, saying. For sure. For sure. Wow. That was Well, you know, any any concluding thoughts on uh, either Billy Graham himself or maybe the future of American Christianity and or sticks on the playground? Don't don't put pastors on pedestals. Just right. don't. I mean, and really, as don't stop arguing with me. I mean, just don't like keep. Well, stop arguing with me. I, I that's 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 too much work. But <laughs> don't put me on a pedestal either. Just, I mean, arguing in the good way, not in the like you know, know fight me way. Don't pick <laughs> yeah. up sticks against me, but <laughs> yeah. But you know, don't like argue in the in the critical like don't. Like, if that doesn't sit right with you, that may mean that it's not sitting right with you for a good reason, right? Maybe you don't want to hear that message. If it's not sitting right with you because you think I'm wrong, you know, sometimes I'm literally preaching going, I don't know if I believe that that's completely true. (laughs) Like, I mean, as I'm preaching, like the word going, I'm not sure if I believe that. And we've all been there. It's all been there. Yeah. For sure. If you're going to come and critically argue with me, leave your stick at home. Yes, please leave your stick at home. Absolutely. And, and let's do it mutually. Let's have conversation. Um, yeah. You know, sermons for me really are a one-sided conversation, but that doesn't mean that there isn't dialogue able to happen around that. And that's why I think, you know, not to toot our own horn, but this whole idea of, of this show, Pub Theology, you know, meeting in a place where there's a table and there's not one featured expert but rather a community grappling with ideas and beliefs and meaning is such a positive thing because we learn from each other we we can admit we're wrong we can hear a new thing i think it's all for the better if we were to toot our own horn it would sound something like this (laughs) there you go so I always tell people, go find somewhere that you're comfortable. Go find somewhere where you feel loved and you find community. But if you find somewhere you're, where your pastor thinks that they have it right and no one else does, like, that is not okay. That is not okay with me. And it really shouldn't be okay with you. Yeah. Time to go. Indeed. <laughs> I think it's time to go now. Well, thank you, friends, for tuning in to Pub Theology Live. Please connect and spread the word on social media. Let all your friends know that you've heard this amazing trio of voices in your ears. I mean, what a great thing. And of course, you can listen anytime on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music, or iTunes. And please rate us there. You know, the more stars, the better, I hear. 
And rumor if you, has it. Rumor <laughs> has it. And if you want to find a conversation like this, and you know, maybe there's a bartender named James or Jane, uh, check out the directory at pubtheology.com. And if you don't see a group there, you'll find some resources to start your own. Thank you again to our sponsors, Wink Wine Club. That's Wink with a C, who you'll find at trywink.com slash Live, And the New Thought Channel, featuring you-know-who at newthoughtchannel.com. So until next time, friends, drink responsibly and keep those conversations flowing. I don't want to be put on a pedestal, but a squatty potty won't hurt. <laughs> wow. So, um, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that. I uh, know, man. <laughs> huh. well, I just thought of that, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ogan, like, I've done how many episodes, and I'm thinking at least half of them have been you talking about something about the bathroom. Oh, true. <laughs> they true. really gotta have that morning ritual. That's that a, morning ritual. And afternoon sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>